Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So, um... I think it was Monday. Was it Monday? Was it Monday when I found out? Yeah. So um, I was on the air. It was the very last segment of the program. And I got an email from listener John, longtime listener, big fan of the the station. And uh, he had sent me a message saying he was sorry to hear that Jim about Jim Barrel. And I did not know what he was talking about. So I did a quick search and I went to my Facebook page where I'm friends with Jim Barrel and um I I read the posts from his daughter and his sister that had uh, and they said that he had died. He was 71 years old. Uh Jim Barrel was um a longtime news anchor. 31 years he worked here at WBT. Um he was the afternoon news anchor when I started as a part-timer and I worked directly for him in the WBT newsroom. And uh, I admit on Monday when I read this and I was going over some of this stuff, like obviously I had, I had no prep work obviously for any of that. Um, and I was in shock. I, I was stunned. I, I, I kind of, I didn't know what to say. I was still trying to kind of comprehend the fact that like I, cause I, we had just sent him a birthday card Um and I, I noted that he hadn't sent me um, a Dilbert cartoon that day. Uh, he he subscribed to Dilbert cartoons. He would get them in his email, and then he would forward them over to me. I don't know if he paid for them or not. I'm sorry, Scott Adams, if we were depriving you of income. But um, but he always enjoyed the the comic strip, so he would send them over. And and that's when I realized Monday, or whatever, and like oh, I hadn't I hadn't gotten any of his emails for a couple days and and I should have known but you look back on that stuff and you don't realize it at the time it only becomes clearer afterwards um he had a uh he had a very aggressive form of lymphoma called mantle cell lymphoma and it just came out of nowhere um he started feeling tired and uh, they went in and they found his, uh, his T cell counts were like all out of or white blood cell, I guess is what it, the white blood cell count was all out of whack. And, and he went into the hospital and, and he died within days, which is, it was, it was shocking because he had just run a half marathon. Um, he placed third in his age group. In the write up, by the way, his uh, memorial service is going to be on uh, Sunday. Uh, uh, and it's up in Hendersonville, which is where he and his wife, Robbie, retired after he, uh, I mean, he was let go here at WBT, right? I mean, he, he retired. It was, you know, he was 62 at the time, but we had been sold. WBT had been sold for like the, I don't know, what, 30th time in, in, in two years or something. No, I mean, it, I kid. But it, it like this was, what's kind of amazing is that WBT had been owned by a single company for so long. Jefferson Pilot, 
And then when JP got bought by Lincoln Financial and another insurance company, they were both insurance companies, and Lincoln Financial, they didn't have any experience running any kind of media operations. And so they like immediately sold just us, <laughs> just the Charlotte properties. And then after that, there there was a succession. There was a pretty, you know, of the of the station getting sold to different companies, then those companies getting sold to other companies and stuff. So there was like decades where WBT was owned by one company and then a quick procession of flipped ownership. And eventually when, uh, was it greater media? We got swallowed up by somebody, I forget who. Um, and then they got picked up by, uh, the station got picked up by Entercom. I think is uh, at that point, that's when they, they let go Jim and Jim just decided to say, you know what? Retire. And he talks about this, by the way, I've got this audio. He did a, um, he did an interview on a YouTube show called incredible stories hosted by Nathan Mackey. This was done about six years ago. And so I, I appreciate that Nathan had Jim on to talk about this stuff because I was able to listen back, uh, and listen to my friend talk about, you know, his career and the places that, uh, he had worked Columbia, South Carolina, where he, uh, he originally started like Trenton, I want to say, in New Jersey, but he was just like an intern up there. He went to, because he bounced around. See, people don't know, like Jim lived in so many different places growing up. He, um, and, and I never made this connection. I was reading the write-up at the uh, his obituary, and uh, I never made this connection, but it makes sense uh, that he he could get along with anybody and he had a wonderful sense of humor, perhaps aided by the numerous moves that he experienced as a child. He was born in New York City, spent three years of his childhood then in Princeton, New Jersey. Then he went to Austin, Texas, then Cincinnati, then England, then Nashville, then Montclair, New Jersey, and finally graduating high school in Columbia, South Carolina uh, from Dreher High School. He then went to USC. He uh, majored in uh, broadcast, and then he went to work at WIS Radio in Columbia. And from there, he then made his way to WBT in Charlotte here. And uh, 2016, I believe, is when the ownership change happened. Uh, He was forced out, quote, retired, and that's when he moved up to the mountains in Hendersonville which is where I was Um, because when greater media bought BT, that's when I was forced out. Well, they did not renew my contract. Okay. So they didn't renew the contract. And so I, I was out and then I ended up in Asheville and when he retired, he's next door in Hendersonville. And so I was like, do you want to come and do some fill in work when we need some fill in work in our newsroom? And uh, and he did. And I mean, yes, like he was the pro, uh, you know, he was awesome at doing news. He had a, a great ethic, uh, a journalism ethic. Um, but he, you know, his delivery was always impeccable. Uh, he had this crisp and clean and clear voice, um, a, a completely unremarkable accent that was like, because <laughs> he bounced all around. But he also was just one of the nicest people you would ever want to meet. And maybe that had something to do 
with the fact that he had moved around so much that he had to meet new people all the time. And it, it, it made him into the person he was. And that's somebody that I wanted to be able to work with again. And so when he got up to Hendersonville, I was like, come work at the station again. And so he did. And so it was great. I got to, you know, I got to have him in my life up there, which was fantastic. And, um, one of the things that I told, um, my, uh, former coworkers up there, Mark Starling, he does the morning show up there. And I was talking with him about Jim on, uh, Wednesday and, uh, Mark had not ever heard that Jim was um, – he was essentially at one brief period of his life, he was a, uh, a hitman. He was a hitman for hire. Not kidding. I mean, he didn't kill people. He would throw pies in their face. I'm not kidding. This, like he – I don't know what you call this particular line of work, a pie assassin or a pie assassin. I don't know. But it's true. If you don't believe me, I have audio to prove it. Uh, the memorial service for Jim Barrel uh, is going to be Sunday, 2 o'clock, Church Street Funeral Chapel. That is uh, on Church Street, South Church Street in Hendersonville, um, up the road. Jim uh, was the 31-year news veteran here. Uh, he, was, uh, he was my friend, and he was my mentor when I first started in the broadcast news business. Um, I worked for a couple of years down in Rock Hill and then took a part-time job here, which turned into the full-time job as a reporter. And Jim was the anchor on the desk in the afternoons. And so I worked directly for him and uh, his his view on uh, news is mine. How, you know, like he he taught me how to be a good reporter, an ethical reporter, a fair reporter. And... Uh, I did not know at the time that he actually uh, had a side business back in college where he was uh, paid to pie people in the face. I did not know that. So this came out, uh, I want to say about 20 years ago. He, he, it came out somehow or another. I think somebody in the news had been pied, and then Jim admitted that he had done this and apparently had been paid to do it. I think he pied the chancellor of USC at some point like the leader of the school. I think he got paid to pie the guy in the face. And so here's the proof. Now, this is not the interview that he did with Keith Larson, because I think that audio is lost. But uh, later on, this would have been, I think, what year was this roughly? John Moore found this audio. 2016. So 2016, so right before they were both actually purged after one of the ownership changes, they had this exchange where Keith is mocking the weather guy's report because he was talking about the... Carolina Panthers facing off, quote-unquote, facing off against the Seattle Seahawks. So he was given the weather forecast for the uh, for the game. Would you say, would he say, the Panthers and the Seahawks will tip off? Would he say that? No. Wouldn't say that. You know, one of those phrases, start of the game phrase, kind of a thing, meet each other. For, he wouldn't say, tip off. You shouldn't say face off. Maybe, maybe he's not that familiar with football. Maybe. I'm just saying, uh, you know, let him know. <laughs> he's a weather guy. That's why he's not a sports oh, guy. Oh, oh, wait. Jim Barrow, ladies and gentlemen, dissing out the weather guy. 
Well, you know, face-off, if, if you're going to get into other sports terms, it's probably the most transferable of the, uh, you know, tip-off, first pitch, uh, whatever uh, expressions that you use to start a game, because you're facing each other, and, uh, you know, you could say kick-off, but face-off, they're looking at each other, they're facing each other, right? Why, why do you always have to be such a decent man? <laughs> such a such a kind, decent, benefit-of-the-doubt kind of person. Why, why do you always have to? I, I and yet there you were with with an actual business of hitting people in the face with pies. That was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't care about people that much back then. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> the way he just said that. This is what politicians need to do. They need to hear what Jim Barrel just said and exactly how he said it. Because when they come up, like last night, Ted Cruz pounds Donald Trump over stuff he said in the past about uh, Manhattan values, or right? This comes up all the time. Somebody said something before they did something before, and then they always go off in these long, ridiculous explanations. They just need to do what Jim Barrel just did. That was a different time. Or you could do what, you know, today's sports figures do. You know, they're accused of something the day before, and they said, I'm ready to move on. (laughs) (laughs) As they say it every time. It's like their agent says, use that expression. Oh, my God. Save that one, John. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Barrel. He'll be back again at 11 (laughs) o'clock. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Right. Well, John did save that one, and I'm glad he did, and I'm glad he found it and sent it over to me, and so I share it with you. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out i do recommend uh checking out the um the tribute that bo thompson did uh that he put together for uh wbt for jim barrel's passing earlier this week it's at the website wbt.com it runs about nine minutes i think um vince coakley played uh the the tribute as well um because when Jim started uh, at WBT, he was started off as a reporter, um, and he covered a whole bunch of stories on the Jim Baker trial, Hurricane Hugo, uh, the crash of Flight 1016, the wind shear that that slammed the plane, you know, down into the neighborhood near the airport. Um, and so he started as a reporter, and when I came on as a reporter, you know, he was he was always very patient and uh, and informative and educating me on how to do the job and how to do it well. And uh, and even if you messed up, he wasn't a screamer or a yeller. He was just an, a decent guy and very calming influence and and 
really patient with all of us. Um, and so, like, I, I could not have asked for a better place and a better person uh, to learn how to be a reporter. He did an interview about six years ago with a fellow by the name of Nathan Mackey, who's got a YouTube uh, show that he uh, that's called uh, Incredible Stories. And so he talks with Jim Barrow, and, and Nathan is a fan of WBT. Did he listen to D- WBT like his whole life? Remembers the Hurricane Hugo coverage. Um, and he talks with Jim about the power of uh, of radio. And here's what Jim said. I tell you, radio, um, it's still a relevant medium. You know, you uh, talk about social media, and uh, you know, radio still is a theater of the mind. It's live, a bit more civil than social media, and uh, you can always rely on its spontaneity. Uh, sometimes social media suffers from uh, sort of the, it's, it's less like a conversation, really, than than radio. But, you know, having worked in, in the radio business all my life, I, I, I know the advantages, not, not to say that it doesn't have lots of uh, challengers in the uh, media marketplace today, but it is still a unique medium and I think one that is around uh, to stay, uh, unless I'm wrong. What are you most proud of from your career in radio, Jim? It's funny because uh, I'm sort of biased towards myself, but, you know, and, and the things that I, I would say I'm proud of, I don't know that they would mean anything to other people, but was surviving my career in radio w- without being uh, fired, except right up at the very end when, when I was a result of uh, a downsizing, uh, just so happened it was right at the end of my of my career. So I don't, I, I sort of look at it as like, ah, well, okay, had to end somehow. But uh, it's, a, it's a volatile business. A lot of people don't make a career out of it. They spend some time there, and then they move on to other maybe related fields, public information, that sort of thing. But I, I, I guess I took pride in the fact that over all those years, close to 40 years, I managed to survive uh, ever having uh, just being fired for various reasons. Came close early on and then uh, managed to uh, survive many different management changes where people would come in and uh, I would watch people who I worked with disappear for various reasons, not always because they were not good employees, but just you know, the nature of the business. People come and go and they get they let people go for various reasons. But I was, uh, I guess I was just proud not to have been uh, fired all those years. I could have been me. I, it's just for the grace of God, you know, some, something happened and I got, I got to stay. And, uh, so it became a very, I almost, I, I forgot that I was in a volatile profession. I, I felt very secure in it for, for a long time, but it's not that, it's not always that kind of business. <laughs> so I guess I was pretty lucky. Yeah, indeed he was. Um, he was then asked about what makes a good reporter. News reporting is is pretty interesting, and and you, really you're you have to remember that you're there to you're, you're really just telling the story. Uh, you're you're a mouthpiece, and so you you have to resist injecting yourself into the story. Sometimes that's impossible because people say, "Okay, you're there, to, you know, tell us." What your impressions were and all that sort of thing, but but really you're trying your best to just convey the facts of the story in a way that really does justice to what has happened. I mean, if it's not that big of a story, you don't want to build it up into something that's uh, that it wasn't, which happens a lot uh, in the business. I'm sure everybody can think of examples, but um, uh, you really kind of have to um, just pay attention, uh, be a good observer, uh, and uh, just it's almost like. If, if you have children, and uh, I know you do, 
<laughs> but when you when you start to telling stories to them when they're very young, you want to emphasize the important parts of the story in a way that doesn't bore them to death. And so uh, that's kind of like news writing in a very elementary sort of comparison way. You <laughs> you 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 point out who who the uh, who the good players are, maybe who the bad actors are. Uh, try to put in all the important detail and then make it interesting and convey it in a way that. Uh, reaches out to people uh, in a way that they can understand, you know, so sort of relating to a story from a personal perspective. And uh, that's that's probably the best advice that I would be able to give to any uh, young reporter is just resist the impulse to inject yourself into the story and just try to convey the facts in a, in a manner that people can relate to in their own human experience in such a way that doesn't minimize something that might be tragic or uh, overarching uh, and, and doesn't maximize uh, details just for the sake of, of taking up time. You know, say, hey, give us a minute and a half, Jim. Okay, well, I'm just going to throw in a bunch of details that don't mean anything. Nobody cares about stuff like that. Just focus on uh, what's important, and the, the story usually can can tell itself if you're a good if you're a good observer, and you can just pick out what people want to hear. Everybody has an opinion, and uh, it's a challenge, especially when you deal in political stories. Uh, you know, because people believe everybody has their own beliefs, including news reporters. And the challenge is to remember that you know you're only one person. There are probably uh, uh, at least 50% of the listeners out there who don't have your opinion or don't share your opinion, so don't just put yours out there as if it's the only one or it's the primary one, because it's tempting. I mean, it's a, you see it in uh, you see it in journalism. You see the, the way stories are reported, and sometimes, unfortunately, it comes across that people are more likely to be just airing a viewpoint on a story as opposed to just telling the story. And, and it's it's a human tendency, and um, it's a human failing that many journalists have. And you know, I've made mistakes in that, in those areas over the years. And you just uh, you try to learn from those mistakes because people, you know, you get feedback and people say, you know, I heard you tell that story, and it sounded to me like uh, you were injecting your own opinion into the story. And so you know, they were probably right when that happened. And so you just you just have to resist that because it's a temptation once you get the microphone. Like, well, I want to, you know, I want my side represented, but you can't can't do that. It's just you have to be careful. I did try always to to be fair. I'm, I'm sure there were times where I failed, but you know that's that's the big challenge is uh, in, in trying to get people to pay attention to a particular radio station or your, or your news is make sure that it's fairly reported. So, so that's what we try to do. Maybe some people might disagree that we're always successful at it, but uh, hopefully we uh, we've always been able to try to keep it down the middle of the road. It's tough. It really is tough because people are people, and uh, they're always going to be subject to their own whims and uh, want to get their opinion. It's just human nature. It's human nature. Jim had studied for two years also at the Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, uh, where he studied Hebrew and ancient Greek. He worked in prison ministry at various Charlotte area jails. He and his wife, Robbie, uh, and their daughter, Amy, were members of Hickory Grove Baptist Church in Charlotte for many years. Um, and uh, knowing Jim, knowing his heart, knowing his faith, um, as my wife Christy said, you know, he was a lover of uh, aviation, photography, would take hikes up in the mountains and share on Facebook these beautiful pictures taken out over, uh, over the valleys and gorges. And Christy said that uh, he's enjoying the most amazing views. Yeah, so we'll miss you. 